Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Soroy. Thank you all so much for being here. I am going to take you back in time a little bit to a period of time that was, you would consider a dark time for the rebellion because in 1988 through 1992, uh, that was during a time for me that was not very, not very good. Um, I made the move to Richmond, Virginia in the fall of 1988 uh, with my mother and sister. And during that time, my confidence in myself that, definitely took a nosedive. As it happens to be for a while, you're always in a whole new environment. You're not comfortable there. You're not happy there. Thankfully, I was able to get a handful of friends to keep me afloat during that period of time. But at the same time, my confidence in myself and what I could offer was definitely around rock bottom. And the only thing that I really had that I could kind of grasp onto were the, sto- you know, the main things that I had were the stories that I would write. And these were basically the evolution of all the characters that I had started working with back in fourth grade. And during this period of time, I was able to evolve them and be able to write more about them instead of just drawing them. And everything really, you know, re- definitely helped with that. And turns out that one of the things that I was able to do as, a, um, as an unexpected benefit was I was able to attract the attention of a lot of my friends because of these stories. And so what I did was I, as a means of, um, as a means of showing my gratitude for their enthusiasm with them, I started, um, started writing them in as supporting characters. And I started just kind of sharing the stories with them more and kind of filling them in on what uh, what direction these characters were all going in. And uh, fast forward a little bit to uh, my junior year of high school. It felt like, it, it felt like kind of like the clouds were lifting. I felt like a little um, more confident in myself. My first year in drama class definitely helped when I was 
a sophomore there. So it definitely felt like I had started to kind of go in this direction. But at the same time, I was dealing with a very long period of stage fright that started from around 1988. I hadn't gotten on a stage since during that point um, with drama class, not really counting because I was only doing the performances for just that class. So never really went on to a stage until uh, the beginning of 1993 when our uh, junior class was putting together the basic skeleton for our stunt talent night. Now, over at Godwin High School, um, the everything was very was very basic when it came to um, everyone's place. And when it came to stunt talent night, that was run by the junior class, and then the money that was raised for that show would pay for the senior prom. And so we wanted to make sure that we were giving our best possible show. And so all of a sudden, I get... I get a request from a friend and classmate, uh, my friend Brandy, who asked me to be a part of the planning committee for the junior class on talent night for 1993. And I accepted, I, I was very flattered, you know, and I was really looking forward to seeing what I could contribute. And it turns out I can contribute quite a bit because I was able to provide the concept that we were going to use for the overall show and i even got the credit in the in the early newsletters as creator of the show so something like that happens you definitely get a nice little boost of confidence and during that time i was able to be a part of a group you know just kind of writing different sketches that were going to take place in between the acts and one of the things that I had come up with just kind of on the fly was a, um, a fake uh, hair loss commercial, almost like a hair club for men, except uh, since this was a parody of it, it was using carpet samples and staple guns. And um, it, definitely got, uh, it definitely got a laugh out of me while I was writing it. It got a laugh out of others who were reading it. And um, when my original idea was to basically just hand this off to another student who was going to do the actual performing. And while it, it came off kind of boring, according to, according to one of my trusted sources, who was my drama teacher, Mr. Dameron, and I basically just said, like, well, you know, that's how it was on the stage, but this is how I think it should be. And I went ahead and just performed it myself in front of the planning committee, in front of the teachers and everything. And everyone just kind of looked at me and said, fine, you do it. And this was the day before dress rehearsal when I was given this sudden opportunity. And all of a sudden, I was kind of rushed on stage. And I was petrified until I stepped back on stage. And all of a sudden, as soon as I did that, everything clicked. And all of a sudden, everything was all that fear, all the tension that I had been building up and everything, all the doubt that I had for myself for the past five years, it all went away. And all of a sudden, I knew what I was doing. And I was comfortable being back on stage. And I still remember uh, getting off the stage as soon as that happened. And one of my friends, Chuck Wilson, just shook his head and just went, stage fright my ass. <laughs> um, and the very next day was opening night. And it absolutely killed. It got huge laughs. 
It was something that I had written. It was something that I was performing. And I even got to kind of hide this little fact that I was getting back on stage to my parents um, so that they were, they only knew that I was just writing this particular sketch. They had no idea that I was going to be performing it. And the look on my dad's face was priceless when he, you know, just laughed, gave me a huge hug, you know, like during, uh, during intermission, it was, it was one of those moments that one of those crystallized moments that really kind of got me back onto being on stage which led me to audition for Marymount Manhattan College, which led me to get into the theater program, which led me to not only excel in that, in that, uh, in that department, but also allowed me to kind of fall back in love with writing again and figure out a direction for my life. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying that, that, uh, this, that none of this would have happened if, Brandy hadn't come to me and, and asked me, but at the same time, that's how the mythology kind of played out. What happened was Brandy reached out to me and she got me on this path that I'm on right now. And so it's something that I always, 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 um, you know, remember always something I will always be grateful to her for. And, um, Thankfully, we've been able to keep in touch. Um, thankfully, you know, thanks to social media, uh, we were able to be on the uh, be on the planning committee together for um, for our ten um, for our ten year high school reunion. And through the magic of uh, Facebook, we were able to keep in touch since then. And I got to see her grow as um, as her own business owner. Um, for, regarding physical fitness, because all of a sudden, you know, like she is not only gone on to work in Beachbody, but she's also um, been able to get her get herself um, firmly planted as as a as a true authority in physical fitness, and also with uh, with her own uh, with her own set of um, with her own brand of wristbands, uh, wristful thinking, and because of all of this, because of the impact that she made in my life and with everything that she is doing for everyone else, it only seems right that on the, that for the second week of 2019, as we go through resolutions month, um, I have her on as a guest to not only share her journey with us, but also to present a little extra bonus for all of you listeners. So, uh, without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Brandy Stewart. Brandy, how are you? Hey, George. I'm great. What a wonderful intro. Wow. I remember that talent show so much. And um, I was, I remember I was actually vice president of the junior class. I felt you like were. That's right. That's right. Really special. And I think I was elected because I was kind of like the people's people. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I never really fell into like a certain clique in high school. And which, I, is, I, which I just, is hard to do in high school. It's it is it is. People really want to feel they belong to a certain like culture, I guess. But I just I don't know. I guess I've always felt like um just be a kind person and let the people come to me, whoever, whoever, however they dress, whatever music they like, whatever. I just chose to be friends with whomever wanted to be my friend. And I think that may be what got me elected, but I remember asking you to be yep. involved in that show because you used to sneak your spiral notebooks to me in geometry class with your Excelsior stories in it. Yep. <laughs> so I, yep. I knew you had that was some 
and that was during the time that was during the first year that I had Excel, that uh, that Excelsior was created. Actually, it was he was so created funny. in 1992. So yeah. you got you got to see him at the ground floor right That's there. Pretty like, awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, I'm really, it's really my honor to be a part of your show. Um, and, th and thank you for being on, on it. So, um, so I've, I've done my, my fair share of gushing <laughs> um, about <laughs> you and how you've helped me kind of on, um, want, you know, get me on the path that I'm on right now. So let's talk a little bit about you. Let's talk about first, uh, let's talk about the, what you consider yourself to be like right now. Sure. So my full-time job is a fashion designer. Um, that's what pays the bills. And it's really, um, I do really love my job. I'm really, really grateful. I've known what I wanted to do since I was eight years old. There's not a lot of people who had a dream as a child and they're actually able to see it to fruition to their, their life. And so um, similar to how you shared moving um, and that struggle in moving, I actually went to five elementary schools when five, I was really? growing up, five. <laughs> and um, aside from going to five elementary schools, I, I felt like a very ugly child growing up. Um, my, I had a very short boy style haircut in elementary school. And really? I did. I, I, could, not, I could not imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so out of place. I had no say in the matter. It was just one of those things where my parents felt like, um, let's keep her hair short. It'll be easier to maintain. And I always hated it. I always was envious of the girls in my class who had ribbons in their hair. And I just felt ugly. And I'll never forget um, being mistaken for a boy by a store clerk in fourth grade. And it just kind of just further cemented my uh, lack of self-esteem in my appearance. And so I used to love designing clothing as a child, imagining these elaborate models and, you know, the whole glamorous world of fashion. And it was just kind of an escape for me. And I used to send them into this nationwide comic book called Katie Kane. And the publisher, if they liked your design, would illustrate them on the characters and give you credit in the book as the designer of this outfit. And it really um, motivated me to, and I submitted design after design. And when I was 12 years old, my very first design appeared in the comic. And um, nice. as you mentioned, the magic of Facebook, I am now Facebook friends with the publisher of the comic. And it's incredible um, full circle, a thing for me as, as it relates to fashion design. But aside from fashion design, George, um, I have a significant passion in physical fitness and helping people live their best life through a fit and healthy body. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really, um, it's kind of been a side gig for me, my whole career. Right. Um, every job I've had has known I've been like a, a cycling instructor or a gym instructor or an athlete. It's never been a conflict of interest or anything. Um, but I certainly do. I love connecting with people and helping them live their best life through a healthier body. That's awesome. That, and that, that's, that's just an, um, that's an amazing call um, to have, you know, with, with that. So um, I, the, the fashion designer thing really took me, you know, took me by surprise. That's, that's incredible. The fact that you were able to um, hold on to something for that long. That's such, that's so great. You know, yeah. this is, now I get why we've been friends for so long, you know, because like I've been holding on to, you know, to my character's or as long as I have, mm -hmm. and that you've been able to hold on to your 
passions as long as you have yeah. as well. Totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, so let's, let's go to regarding physical fitness. Let's go to um, that moment because there's always that sort of lightning bolt moment where you just kind of realize that that is, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. That's how mm -hmm. I want to help people. That's my calling. Uh, what was that moment for you with that? Yeah, for sure. So um, before I really get into that epiphany, I think it's important to share to your listeners. Um, I didn't grow up an athletic person. Um, being in five different elementary schools and moving and stuff, I was never really able to cement my place on a, on a team. Um, you know, I took gymnastic lessons here or there or um, you know, played kickball in the front yard, but never anything considered formal training um, with, with regard to sports. And um, when we finally put our feet down in Richmond, uh, when I was in the end of my fifth grade year, um, again, I, I kind of dabbled into the swim team, like a seasonal swim team here and there, but never real formal training. Unfortunately, um, as I've learned um, from my early childhood um, appearance, um, that, that horrible haircut and the lack of uh, self-esteem that I carried, unfortunately, uh, manifested itself when I turned 13. And um, I developed anorexia when I was 13 or 14 years old. And um, I just, it, it spiraled very, very quickly. Um, in the matter of a month, I lost 20 pounds. And I was, I learned upon entry into the hospital that I had three weeks to live had my mother not intervened and shoved me into a hospital. Wow. And it was a very confusing time for everybody, including myself, understanding, you know, who am I? What's going on with me? I knew it started from being invited to the homecoming dance in high school and mm -hmm. getting a lot of compliments and how I looked in my dress. And I really felt very pretty that night. And it was the first time I really felt pretty ever. And I felt if I could look pretty tonight, I don't ever want to get ugly again. So I just felt like I needed to continue to lose weight. And that meant looking like the fashion models and getting more attention and being in control of my appearance. Um, unfortunately, once I set the trigger of that unhealthy way of thinking, um, it was very, very difficult to um, release myself from its grip. So I struggled with eating disorders of all kinds for a good 10, eight years consistently, um, yeah. anorexia, bulimia, compulsive overeating, addiction to diet pills, um, kind of you name it, I did it um, all the way through college. And then again, I never, and I used to exercise as a means to burn calories or as a punishment, not because I felt like I wanted to have a strong and healthy body. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was an adult and I got my first job um, out of college, I was able to kind of release the grip of that disordered thinking. Mm -hmm. And and I started developing like a healthy habit in the morning of, you know, exercising on an elliptical just to get some physical movement in. Um, but I still didn't have the body acceptance that was considered healthy. I still kind of obsessed over my appearance. Um, what got me into a healthy way of exercising really was when I started working with a kickboxing trainer um, when I was around 24, 25, getting ready for my wedding. Oh, wow. And I wanted to kind of tone up and, and look really great in my wedding dress, but I wanted to do it a healthy way. Mm -hmm. 
And so this trainer was able to teach me um, balance and able to teach me, you know, we're going to do weightlifting on these days and we're going to do a little bit of cardio at the end, or I'm going to teach you some ab exercises. and I'm going to teach you how to use your body correctly so you don't get injured doing these exercises. And, um, and really it was seeing the, the results and learning to trust this person with my journey. And mm -hmm. I think that was a, a very important shift for me was handing my journey over to somebody else and not being in total control with my disordered thinking on what yeah. I should have been. So that was really the first step was trusting somebody else with my journey through a trainer. And, you know, and they're, when you have that right person by your mm -hmm. side, like they're investing in you. Exactly. You know, they're investing yeah. Their time, they're investing their skills. Yep. And exactly. yeah, that's, that's, that's basically like the same. That's a big reason why I have always have, you know, kind of shied away from self-publishing in recent years, because I really like the fact that there's a publisher or now in my case, and you know, like both a publisher and an agent that want to that that want to invest their time their energy okay. their skills to see me succeed exactly yeah you know, i am i'm perfectly i'm perfectly fine with that so i know exactly what uh you know what that what that is uh do you do you remember the uh, the kickboxer's name his name was mike yeah mike. i remember it very well i used to go to he trained out of his garage mm -hmm. and um and he always had coffee breath because it was five in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get like so hungry because I would smell, he would put like flavored creamer in his coffee. So mm -hmm. I could smell like hazelnut or vanilla in the air when I'm like starving and working my butt off. <laughs> in his garage. Yeah. His name was Mike. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so, um, so from there, so mm -hmm. once, once you were able to, you know, kind of get that for yourself, mm -hmm. what was it that, um, that spurned you to think like, well, you know, like if I can do this for me, I can do this for other people. Yeah. So, um, working with Mike was, was fabulous. You know, he would, you know, be my shadow and teach, showing me how to do the weightlifting and the kickboxing and everything. But I'll never forget one day, George, kind of like how you introduced me with kind of pushing you into this role with the variety show. I'll never forget where after maybe six months of training, Mike said, okay, next time, don't come here, meet me at the park, we're gonna go running. And I said, Mike, I don't run, I'm not a runner. And he was like, well, we're gonna run next time we meet. And I was like, Mike, you don't get it. Like, I'm here to kickbox, I don't run. And he said, trust me, let's just go. And so I was like really grumpy about it. And I was like, oh crap, I'm, like, I'm paying him, but he's making me go run and I don't know how to run. And so we get to the park, it's actually more of a, um, a track, you know, out of college. Mm -hmm. And he's like, let me teach you how to run. And he showed me, you know, how to control my breathing, how to hold my shoulders up, how to move my arms. And, you know, it was a horrible first experience. I, you know, I, I was very winded a lot. Um, I didn't have the stamina, but he believed in me and he never um, laughed at me or anything. He just taught me how to run. And, right. and there again, and then I started learning an exercise that I could do for myself, by myself, without him as my shadow. Mm -hmm. And so um, we kept coming back running and we would do drills on the bleachers and that kind of thing. But when I learned how to run, George, I learned how to value my body. I learned I'm able to build stamina and build endurance all on my own. And then I started to really appreciate 
hearing my breath, feeling my breath, feeling my legs get hot from warm muscles. And mm -hmm. it was a gratitude. It was, it became a, a moment of gratitude for my strong and healthy body that I had damaged so much during my youth and young um, adulthood through eating disorders. Mm -hmm. I, running gave me the ability to really use my body as an instrument to glorify God and the life he's given me. And once I was able to tap into that feeling, that's what really drove me to want to try to help others tap into that same knowledge with their body, that our bodies are a gift and our life is incredible and our bodies are really, really resilient and it mm -hmm. wants to perform. And I want to teach people how to become their best self and experience this same feeling. That's awesome. So it's basically just kind of like, um, yeah, just like what you said that, um, you know, you felt it and you felt so strong about it that, yeah. and you felt the results of it. You know, you right. felt that sort of, that's that same feeling of gratitude that you were, that you were just like, all right, I need to, I need to share this. Exactly. Yeah. You know, cause I feel like when God gives you a gift, mm -hmm. you can't keep it to yourself. Right? right. I mean, he gives us a gift to help others. I mean, that's, I believe we, our, our job, if you will, is mm -hmm. to help, help God's help plan evolve. We are instruments of God's plan. And so, yeah. you know, as you are with your creativity and your words and everything you do, you help inspire people to have the courage to follow their dream, you know, and I feel my story with eating disorders and my struggles in finding balance and all that, I have an obligation to help others learn these things because God has shown me how to do it. And I feel for me, it would be wrong not to share it. Yeah. And, and that's something that I personally just kind of like need to need to kind of almost like come to grips with myself because uh, there are so many people that are just like, well, tell me about your books. And I always kind of like, you know, get a little shrinking violet and everything just because I'm yeah. talking about my own stuff. I'll gladly talk about other people's stuff. I'll gladly, you know, yeah. which is a big reason why I started this podcast because right. I look through all of my, my friend, you know, like my friends list on Facebook. And I was just like, wow, I know so many great talented people that are all sharing their gifts, you know, with the world and people don't know about them. You know, they need, they need to be in the spotlight. They need to be given this kind of credit on a on a larger platform they need to be on a podcast and then all of a sudden it was just like all right i guess they're going to be on my podcast so <laughs> i'll just and, do it myself <laughs> right you know because like i shared that news you know with everyone and everyone just like yeah you're right you know and, and that's it that's all i hear and it was just like well fun. and then all of a sudden it was just like all right well i'm starting my own and then i you know and then one by one i'm reaching out to those friends and everyone God bless them. They are um, so happy to be a part of it. And that's something that it's one of those moments where it's just like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm doing something right here. It's, it's right. was that kind of how you felt when you got your first clients? It did. Yeah. So my journey in fitness has primarily been as a um, group exercise instructor. And then also as a kind of an online fit coach, because I love teaching in a, in a class environment at the gym. I could have upwards of 30, sometimes more people in a class, depending on the style of class. 
But um, then I felt like, well, I'm kind of hindered, like I'm only able to teach and help those within my own zip code who can physically come to this space. And so then I tapped into the Beachbody community to help others beyond my zip code. And now with the Beachbody community, they have their own um, workouts through their own super trainers. But my background and my training and certifications and teaching group exercise give me the knowledge to see how well designed these programs are. And I'm able to help people um, who come into my circle if, if they say I'm 30 pounds overweight or I have really bad knees or whatever, I can already direct them to programs that, that are better starting points for them because I understand all of their programs and um, I can you know, help people better succeed at the start. And starting is always the hardest part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always is- so tough. So yeah, so you're getting them on that, in that proper direction that they need to go because, yeah. you know, physical fitness is not exactly a one size fits all kind of, no. kind of thing. Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely yeah. not. And even in my fitness classes, when I design classes, I always show a modification for any exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really, I think a lot of it is so much is mental. It's just encouraging people to don't give up. Imagine how good you're going to feel when you finish this, not having given up. And there's, I can, I can read people's faces pretty well. And I can tell when I say something that really um, affects them and I, I see them pushing hard. So I've been a group fitness instructor. I started with the indoor cycling discipline and I'm still an indoor cycling instructor. It's been about 15 years now that I've mm-hmm. done indoor cycling. Um, and then I got certified into um, weightlifting and I've done water fitness, um, boot camps, pretty much anything but yoga and dance. Um, mm-hmm. I really love, because as you mentioned, fitness is not one size fits everybody. There are some people who get their giggles through all cardio. There's some people who love just weights. And I feel by being certified in teaching these various disciplines, I can reach more people and help inspire them live their best self. That's so cool. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic, the way that, uh, that sort of attitude you know, that, that, that you have yeah. with it. So. Oh, well, thank you. So um, you were mentioning Beachbody. How'd you get involved with them? Well, I got involved with them because even despite being a regular fitness instructor, um, when I hit 40, the age of 40, um, I got a new job that required more sitting than I was used to. So I had to, and I had to cut back my teaching load at the gym. So we put in combination, cutting back my physical activity, adding more sitting, and then I would find that I would just kind of grab handfuls of food here and there to like keep the day going. Mm-hmm. Um, within 18 months, I'd gained 30 pounds. Oh, wow. It was really kind of devastating for me. And I felt really conflicted because I was still teaching classes when I could. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I had all this weight all of a sudden on me and I didn't feel comfortable in my skin at all. And also the classes that I was teaching were primarily cardio classes. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't getting the right balance of exercise. And I think that also impacted my cortisol stress hormone. And so not only what did I, my body have the stress of the new job, the difference in physical activity, but also when I did have physical activity, it was all high heart rate cardio driven, which also built more stress on the body. Right. And cortisol can, um, they call it like it grows belly fat. <laughs> so yeah. I, I certainly did. I, I grew some belly fat. So I, I found Beachbody. Um, I'd already seen their um, DVD commercials on TV, and I never really paid attention to them. 
-hmm. But I figured out that where I had been was either I was going to like pay a buttload of money for some ridiculous, I don't mean ridiculous. If people choose plastic surgery, that's their right. But for me, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I considering plastic surgery when I could probably lose this weight through exercise, but I was actually considering plastic surgery or I had to just try something else. Um, And so I tried in-home fitness and I started, I'm doing a particular program that had a really great balance of cardio and weightlifting as well as um, nutritional guidelines. And I followed the program to a T and I dropped a clothing size in my first month and it just kind of gave me my confidence back. So, um, and I also learned, even though I'm an active person in the gym, I learned that I needed to, um, you know, dial it back in some areas. And just, again, it was all about trust, trust to this other program Mm -hmm. to um, lead me where I needed to go with regard to my health and wellness. And it worked. So again, a lot of this is trust (laughs) and relinquishing control and giving it into the expert's hands. It's funny that you should, uh, that you mentioned that it was a new job that kind of spurned that weight gain because that took me back to during the time that uh, my wife and I tried paleo and yeah. we're actually doing it again uh, mm-hmm. this year and mm-hmm. we're doing it. We're, you know, we're definitely committing to it a lot harder um, because we have a constant, uh, we have a, we have a constant motivation around us that we can always see. And that's our daughter, Scarlett. And so um, with that in mind, it just kind of took me back to that period of time because um, when I started, when I started paleo, um, it was during the last two months of the job that I was working and it definitely felt like I was, you know, making some progress, but it was after I finished with that job. And when I was in between jobs and during this um, period of time that I was looking for a new job, that was the time that everything seemed to click the most regarding the weight loss because I wasn't sitting at a desk all day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I wasn't, and I wasn't, you know, constantly, um, I wasn't constantly like, you know, forced to stay there with only like an hour of reprieve and everything to, you know, to go out during lunch break. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I could basically just kind of go on, um, on my own terms. And that was when I fell in love with running during that time because I picked up the C25K app and that that got me, you know, into that, that introduced me to running during a time that I was just very much like, you know, hissing at it the same way that the, you, that you were not a fan of it before you started. (laughs) What is it about running? People just are very uh, opposed to it when they start. (laughs) But then once, but then once you start it and you get into that rhythm, it's just like, what kept me from doing this for so long? I know it's actually so true. I feel like that for any type of exercise, I think you just have to get over that mental hump, you know, I mean, you just have to decide, like I tell people in my classes, I'm like, number one, you're going to get sweaty. You're going to get hot. You're going to get uncomfortable. Let's embrace this now and get moving. And, you know, once you just acknowledge that and move aside, just go like your body is made to move. And I think that people also tend to set an expectation of their performance at such a high level that Mm -hmm. they're automatically set up for, for like emotional failure. So as it pertains to resolutions, honestly, like number one, the decision to get healthy is, is number one on the list. 
congratulations on deciding to get healthy. Number two, how are you going to get healthy? Well, if you're not moving right now, make a plan to move three times a week for 20 minutes to start. Just 20 minutes. Yeah, and that's that's kind of that's kind of the the um, the pattern that it was with uh, with with it is on on the C25K app because I think it's like either three times or four times a week. You know, you 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 have to have those you know those breaks those day breaks in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was great, you know, like being able to do that. I mean, I was, not only was I sleeping better during that time, mm-hmm. like, um, I wasn't snoring, mm-hmm. um, which meant that my wife was sleeping better. Um, but it also means that I was getting up at five in the morning to mm-hmm. run. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then during the time that I was, um, you know, like I, I had gotten a job, um, and I was, um, and I actually like was able to sustain the running a little bit longer after I got the job. Um, but during that time, like, I mean, I was, you know, I, I would, I would, you know, go in and take a shower and everything and get dressed and stuff. You know, like I would, st- I would start the, my morning in such an atypical way of me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was just like, it, it, it threw me off a little bit. It was just like, am I, am I really doing this? Right. And we actually got into a position where we were both able to participate in a 5k turkey trot on Thanksgiving day that year. That's awesome. And so like, you know, I still have, I still have my, my, um, you know, my number and everything mm-hmm. and cleared the whole thing in 45 minutes. It was a 5k, you know, That's so awesome. there was like a combination of, for me, it was a combination of running and walking, but, um, yeah. still did it. You still finished it. Yeah. And awesome. finish it under 45 minutes like that, yeah. that to me was just like, that's a, that's a huge thing. So it's awesome. those kinds of milestones that I'm looking back on. And like you said, you know, like, it, you know, it sets you up, you know, like your body, like automatically sets you up for emotional failure. And that's kind of what, yeah. you know, I am dealing with right now because, you know, like, yeah, it felt great and everything to do those things. And I got to hold on to that and not yeah. hold on to the fact that I just let myself go. You know, like after, after that, after that, uh, after that, uh, running that turkey trot, you know, so. Well, here's the thing. Most everybody listening to this, I'm sure knows what it feels like to fail. Yeah. Or most people know what it feels like to have a plan not turn out as hoped. Mm -hmm. However, how many of these people know the feeling of succeeding? of yeah. having a goal and accomplishing that goal. And many people probably have, but most people probably fall in the first category. And so this yeah. is why I think setbacks occur because once we start developing these healthier habits and we start seeing weight loss results or we see our cravings disappear, and for some people that can get a little scary. That can kind of get a little commitment phobic. Like, how am I going to maintain this? Like, I'm, am I truly ready to embrace this new lifestyle? You know, mm-hmm. maybe my spouse isn't on board and supporting this. Maybe my family is pushing junk food on me because they like the old me that they've known for 30, 40 years. And so it's a huge commitment to decide I am going to see this through. And no matter what evolution comes my way. I'm going to embrace that evolution and invite it to stay. And um, we just have to get our mindset ready for success. But we also have to be patient with that success. 
you know, yes. if it took you 30, 40 years to get to where you are now, you're not going to see your new best self in six months and hold on to that same best self for the rest of your life. You know, right. we, we have to understand that this is a journey. And mm -hmm. as long as we hold on to that positive mindset of healthy weight loss, and when I say healthy weight loss, it means, you know, moving in a smart and healthy manner. It doesn't mean you're killing yourself in the gym an hour, two hours every day. It doesn't mean that you are on a really highly restrictive caloric diet. It means that you're making a conscious decision to not eat the chips. I'm going to grab an apple or carrot sticks instead. Um, or if I love chips, I'm going to let myself have chips on Friday. It's, it's having more grace in our decisions to know and start living like the person we want to be. You know, yep. you start thinking to yourself, how does the new Brandy or the new George feel in this situation? Well, they're probably going to order this on the menu and not that. So right. it's about embracing a new mindset and then just slowly moving towards it so it doesn't feel so scary. And also just kind of thinking back to those times when, you know, like, okay, so I was successful on, you know, like there were two, for me, there were two major periods of time when I was the most successful in my weight loss. That was 2003, my first go around with Weight Watchers. And then there was, um, and then there was the time on paleo, you know, both of those times, I looked better than ever. Um, mm -hmm. And felt better and dressed better. And you know, like everything was just like, it was all there. So thankfully, I have those I have, you know, like, um, if I just kind of push aside the fact that, you know, like, yeah, you know, what happened afterwards wasn't as good. Mm -hmm. And just concentrate on okay, well, what got me there? What right. was that, you know, that allowed me to get there in the first place? And a big thing was just being sick and tired of feeling the way I was, looking the way I was, mm -hmm. wanting to, making that decision to make the change for myself and not, um, not just, you know, like letting someone else make that decision for me. Um, exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, I have had so many friends at the gym where they'll say, my husband bought me this boot camp package or... Yeah you know, my best friend bought me this for Christmas. And sadly enough, in those cases, those people drop out of the boot camp. Like they mm -hmm. just, they don't want to get up at five in the morning and go to this class. Like right. it's a sweet gesture, but they weren't into it. Like they weren't ready. So you really have to do it for yourself. Yeah. You really do. And, and everything that you're, everything that you're saying is, you know, so, you know, like inspiring and what, uh, what wound up happening, what, what I believe what wound up you know, like coming from that inspiration is what led you, if I'm not mistaken, to Riskful Thinking. Gosh, so Riskful Thinking, thank you. So this was an invention that I did um, several years ago, back in 2011. So Riskful Thinking is kind of the love baby of my, <laughs> my experience in, in professional career in fashion design as mm -hmm. well as my love of fitness. And it wasn't that I sat down one day and thought, I'm going to invent a wristband. What happened was, um, to be a fitness instructor, you have to have CPR certifications and first aid skills. Mm -hmm. um, because anything could happen in your classes. You need to be ready to react before the first aid um, personnel arrive. And so I remember getting this idea um, that I wanted to run a half marathon. This was back in like 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And so I started training for this half marathon 
while my kids are in daycare. And um, as most people who, who plan on runs, that you never run the actual distance in your training. You always go right up to that, that miles and you do the actual mileage of the event on race day. So I remember doing my training and staggering it accordingly. And I, my longest run training one was just over 10 miles. And I remember feeling this voice in my head that says, this is so painful. This sucks so bad. Like, why are you even going to do this half marathon? You're going to hurt yourself. And I know now that was the voice of the devil. <laughs> that was the voice of the devil trying to get me to not do this race. But I remember my coupon clipping budget side said, you know what, Brandy, you already paid the entry fee. Just go to the race and just do your best and see what happens. And so I followed my budget friendly self and showed up on race day. I didn't have anyone to run with. I just ran it by myself. And lo and behold, George, um, I'm running this race and I'm remembering all the teachings I learned from my first trainer about arms and how to breathe and so forth. But at mile 10, I'll never forget, that's where my, the pain in my hips and pelvis started to set in. And I was mm. like, God, this is a painful run. This is exactly where I wanted to stop when I was training. But at that moment, I looked at the side of the trail and there was a lifeless runner laying on his back. Oh my. And he was pale in the face and his mouth was open. He had a race number pinned to his shirt and he had several people crouched around him, gently prodding at him. But it was very clear. Nobody knew what to do to help this runner. And I was so shocked in seeing him, my mind went completely blank. I forgot about the pain in my pelvis. I forgot what my name was. I forgot everything, including that I was CPR certified. I forgot everything. Oh, wow. And I thought, what do I do? And I just kept on going. I mean, that part of the race wasn't out and back, meaning you go to the end of one road, you turn around and go down that same road to a different turn. Mm -hmm. it, but it was shortly after I'd passed that gentleman, I thought, oh, crap, I'm CPR certified. And I totally forgot that I knew CPR. What do I do now? I remembered in training that your body only has three minutes worth of blood in their veins to nourish the brain um, between, um, you know, at, at any given time. You only have three minutes of blood, healthy blood left in your veins. So it's immediately important to start CPR as soon as the start of a cardiac event mm -hmm. because you need to get that blood continuously moving in their veins so they have longer than three minutes before paramedics come. Um, so I started asking myself, had that guy been down longer than three minutes? Could I even do anything if I had jumped into CPR? Um, I didn't know, but I did know that when I turned back down that road um, and made that turn, the paramedics were there and they were moving in slow motion. There was no urgency in their movement they pulled out the AED paddles almost as a protocol and applied it to this gentleman. Almost, it almost seemed like they had to do that because that was protocol for any call, but it was right. very clear that man didn't make it. Oh. And so when I finished the race, I looked at my time and I just felt like crap. I got my medal and I was like, great, I finished. And I went to my car and I asked the guy stretching next to me his finished time. It was like five minutes before me. And I asked him, did you see that guy? And he goes, yeah, I saw the same guy. So I knew that it was probably too late for me to do anything anyhow. Right. But I but told myself, still, but still yeah. I felt terrible. And I said to myself, you know, if I had had something on my wrist to remind me that I knew CPR, I would have jumped right in. So mm. I took my technical textile knowledge and I created a flat surface sweatband. 
Now, all sweatbands we know of are fluffy and like what tennis players wear. And you can't get any adequate graphic on a fluffy surface. So I invented a flat surface sweatband and I got a patent on it and I called it Wristful Thinking and I Mm -hmm. launched it with hands-only CPR instructions applied to it so that any runner could have a functional sweatband on their wrist to wipe sweat away. But if they needed the CPR instructions, they were there where they could see it and immediately Mm -hmm. jump in if they were ever in my situation. Wow. So that's what started Wristful Thinking wristbands. And then I evolved the collection to include motivational sayings because Mm -hmm. we know exercise is not always easy. (laughs) And so I wanted people to keep the positive thinking where they could see it. Um, You know, I've had a a lot of great stories from people using the wristbands, um, getting personal best times in races because they needed that positive thinking. Um, Thankfully, no one's told me they've needed it for CPR because that's always a scary scenario, but I'm really grateful to have that product available if for people in case they ever need it, it's there. Right. And during the, the whole the whole time that I've known of Wristful Thinking, I've always been privy to the motivational mm-hmm. uh, sayings that you have on there. But to know that that started out and, you know, the first version of uh, these bands is that CPR training. That is amazing. Right. That, is, that is so amazing. And that's serious. That's some serious clutch thinking right there, you know, like that to, uh, to come up with something like that. That's incredible. Well, thank you. And, and that's I, where I think it's, I feel like it's divinely inspired. I feel like, you know, that negative voice in my head in that last training run of don't even go to the race, mm-hmm. you know, like the devil will always try to stop us where good's about to come. You know, yeah. when there's good around the corner, the devil's going to show up. Right. And so, um, and that's really a lesson for anything when we're trying to inspire positive change is just really pay attention to the good voice. And so I really feel very honored to have this ability to create this product and, um, and sell it to people. And so they're on wristfulthinking.net and, um, and I'm just really proud of it. So yeah, it started with CPR instructions and, um, and it kind of has its another life in other forms on the website. And speaking of wristfulthinking.net, uh, you have a coupon code to give to our to our listeners I as well. Do. Yes, I do. So, um, so when they enter Excelsior Journeys as the coupon code, um, your listeners can get thirty five percent discount on any purchase on the website. And I hope that they're able to get some of this product to help inspire them on their journey um, because everybody deserves to live their best life. And our bodies are a huge component of that. Um, our bodies are made to move and we, our bodies are so resilient and um, they will heal themselves no matter, um, in most cases, no matter what you put through it. Now, if you have a situation where you need medical advice and medical care, definitely honor and trust those medical professionals. But if you're like most people where it's up to you and your mind to get up and get moving, um, I hope that this wristband can be a tool to help keep you inspired and motivated as you go. Fantastic. Fantastic. And is there anything else that you'd like to, uh, would like to plug for, uh, for yourself <laughs> anything that's coming up, any sort of events oh, you have coming or any, um, any turn in, in the evolution of, of your business? The evolution Uh, of Brandy. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really kind of you. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I just really want to just leave on with your listeners, um, just to always know um, how great their life can be. I mean, my life is by no means perfect. We all will face stress and struggle every day, but our um, bad health doesn't need to be a part of that. So um, if you are interested and want to get moving into a healthier direction, if you have questions about um, proper meal planning, um, you know, if there's a diet fad that you're confused about or you have questions on um, exercise, anything, um, I'm always happy to answer questions and help point people in the right direction. And they're welcome to email me at brandyfitcoach at gmail.com. That's brandy with an I, fitcoach at gmail.com. And I'm happy to help direct them um, into a place where maybe it's helpful for them to get moving in where they need to go. That's fantastic. So, Brandy and I have known each other now for over 25 years, and it's uh, it's been it's been just an absolute pleasure um, be having her in my life, being her friend, and I really hope that all of you have that have that Brandy in, in your life, somebody who can kind of push you into a direction that you weren't sure if you were if uh, if you were going to if you were going to go in, but then it turns out that you can't imagine your life without going in that direction. And right. yeah. um, Brandy had her moment with that, you know, with that, I had my moment with, with her. And uh, there are, you know, there's, there are so many, there's so many chances that we have um, to find our calling, to use it to its nth degree and, um, and it's something that uh, that you definitely need to keep an eye out for, um, in, especially in this uh, in this new year. So you're right, uh, George. And you know the ingredient that helped you and me was trust, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's trust. So yeah. So I, that's a great way to end this story. Is um, be open to the invitation, mm -hmm. and um, try and trust and move forward with it and see where it goes. Absolutely. So yes, definitely, you know, trust that the, uh, that the person who is guiding you in this positive direction um, is going to, is, is going to lead you into something great. And, exactly. and, you know, that's what, uh, that's what Brandy did for me. It's something I will never forget. And I hope that, uh, that all of you have found, um, are able to, feel that motivation to go in that direction yourself, whether it's coming from this show, whether it's coming from somebody else in your life, whatever it is, please keep an eye out for that inspiration, for that motivation, because you never know what you're going to find. So um, thank you so much, Brandy, for being a part of this show. Thank you so much for being my friend for all these years. <laughs> it's and, my pleasure. <laughs> and uh, for, for, for Brandy Stewart, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward.